Hi. It's February. <laughs> it's February what? 4th, 2018. This is the Fancy Ramen Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm Cookie. And I'm Scott. And while this podcast might be mostly about video games, let's talk about things that are not video game related. All right. Cookie has you... a box in front of him, and I think it might be pertinent to bring that up first and foremost. Oh, I guess we could. Since it's right there. Since it's right there. Let's move this broken What's light. What's in the box? It is Street Fighter. As Neil Which tries one? to spread glass all around my house. <laughs> yeah, I smashed one of our lighting bulbs on my way here, apparently. Uh, it's Street Fighter, the collectible card game edition of actually it's a called ufs is the official card game's name it's a universal fighting system okay it's there are a couple of different genres that have already gotten um their own cards so street fighters the one i own there's also like rock man so mega man and you think we're a bunch of plebes come on we know that <laughs> among other things and it's it's kind of an interesting game so far, I've only played one real match. It's a kind of just your collectible card game. Each you instead of most card games, what you do is you like have different. So, like say the Pokemon card game, you throw out different Pokemon and then they battle, or like Hearthstone. So it's like each individual thing is battling. Sure. With this one, you got one character. At so a time. this deck has a Ryu. I have a Ryu deck and a Chun Li deck. A, a Ryu deck. Ryu. A Ryu. Ryu. Pookie is the Street Fighter expert. He obviously knows. No, it's it's actually probably Ryu, but I don't care. I, we all say. know it's Ryu. We <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we just swapped you up somehow. Eggs, yeah. So and so basically what you do is you actually have your one character and then your deck is consistent of moves. So you can actually do like comboing systems. You build you're building up meter to do like EX moves and things of that nature and it's it's sort of like the Dark Souls boss decks in the Dark Souls board game. Can I see the yeah. box? It's full of cards. I got a better angle. Maybe. So when you said it's universal, do you mean that I could go out and get a Rockman deck and fight against your Ryu Chun Li deck? Yep, you can go get a you can go out and get a Rockman deck and use I think the Rockman, he's got some elements that Ryu can actually use. So you can actually put, like, the Proton Cannon in Ryu's deck. I'm assuming it goes beyond Capcom. Yes. But are there a lot of other Capcom characters available for this? I don't know. Honestly. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to talk about it. It just happened. We were doing some spring cleaning, and I just happened to see the box. And I was like, oh. Yeah, cool. This is a box. It's video game related. We'll just stick it on the table for right now. So, Scott, what have you been up to lately? Well, the reason we're doing a late recording is I went out snowboarding again today. Because instead of watching the Super Bowl, there was a deal at one of the uh, mountains I went to where it was half price for lift tickets for Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, it was a pretty good day. Absolutely coated with powder, but really warm. And so I got wet butt by the end of the day which is always Gross. uncomfortable for the ride home but uh yeah i just went snowboarding um did some dog sitting this weekend real thrilling stuff and found oh i found the 
best sandwich shop in the world out here. So good. It's the like best. This, it's it's super good. Like um I don't know any sandwich shops that I would put above it. It's uh like this Italian style delicatessen called Tagliere and they make some like really good sandwiches. Their bread is amazing and their ingredients are all really high quality. Now for the sake of uh like transparency here, are you going to split the money you get from them with us? <laughs> or is this just like a side business for you at this point? Dude, these sandwiches were so good that this uh this promotion's actually on the house. Um, <laughs> which I really shouldn't be doing because they were pretty expensive. So uh if I bring it up again, I'll make sure to like send a bill their way or at least ask for like some free chips or something. Was that all you did this week? I mean, that's all the exciting stuff. I played some video games as is my role on this podcast. And uh, my weekend was pretty jam packed with either snowboarding or dealing with a uh, unruly dog. So that I don't even deal with. Sierra does all the dog sitting, honestly. I just whine about having him around. Oh my God, you sound like me. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Cookie, you and I are on the same wavelength more often than not. I love it. Neil, why can't you be like that? Eh, Because I'm apparently spending too much time looking at Steam's like recent release list. Yeah, tell us about that. I'm surprised at just how... how strange that list is getting at this point uh or like how strange the games being released on steam are be are getting to uh amongst the list i found cosplay albums which are yes just women dressed up in a variety of outfits that are actually not uh specific to characters or genres or or characters or franchises but rather just very broad subject matter like Made cosplay or waitress cosplay. Uh, I also found like a bunch of games with just nudity in them, which in and of itself is like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily bothered by it, although part of me was wondering like, if I had a kid at this point who is on Steam or who has a Steam account, is there some way that adults can like determine what their children's accounts can see in the Steam store? Yeah, there probably is. What I'm curious about is, are you talking about for your featured and recommended? Or no, no, not not on my new featured releases? or recommended. Um, granted, I may I may be playing some weird games lately, which we'll get into later, which could potentially bring those into my recommended or whatever. My queue. <laughs> uh, I'm actually just I've been trying to go through like the the most recently released games to make sure I haven't missed any like interesting games. Uh, by no-name developers. Like, I, I thought there used to be some sort of feature, like the, the Steam Greenlight was something in place that would allow, like, games that look decent to get in, but stop games that just look like shit. Did they stop doing that? Or, like, is there even any curation on Steam at this point? I didn't realize they had curation on Steam. Yeah, they, they did. At, at some point in time, they had the green light, which basically, if you were a developer that had not released stuff onto Steam before, you would basically put it up to this, this proposal, if you will, and then you would shop your game around to different message boards or communities and be like, hey, will you vote for my game on the Steam green light page 
blah, blah, blah. And then enough people voted for the game because it looked good enough, or no one voted for it because it looked like trash, and it didn't make it, or it made it, you know? I'm glad this is what you do with your time. <laughs> Someone's got to, you know, someone's got Someone to. has to determine just, like, where the shit goes, and I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for just how shitty, like, the lack of curation on Steam is happening. Like, that's maybe the one positive to Xbox and PlayStation 4 and their storefronts is that there's not nearly as much bullcrap. Have you, have you been on the I, Xbox yeah, store? I, I have. It's not like Xbox Live. Or no, no, actually, I should say I've never been on the Xbox store <laughs> because I don't own an Xbox. But I'm aware of Xbox Live and all the crazy shit that has. Excuse me, the Windows store. Have you been on the Windows store? No, and I hope to never go on the Windows store. There's a lot of bad shit on the Windows store. And if it makes it on the Windows store, it's now on the Xbox. I still think there's something inherently wrong with the whole Windows platform at this point, but that's neither here nor there. Cookie, what have you been playing this week? I've been playing Celeste and Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter? It's yeah. a good game? Oh my god, it's still so good. Yep, officially 30 hours in, which is a lot more time than I put into single-story RPG games. Like, how much time did you put into Breath of the Wild? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe around 30 or so. No, yeah. not even. Not no? even, actually. Because okay. I remember I like rushed through it and beat it out of spite. But then I played okay. it for a while after that. So maybe like 30 hours or so. I feel like Monster Hunter is just like your a, a version of Breath of the Wild that's more tailored to you. At least in the um, pseudo open world collecting and gathering. So much to collect and gather. You know what? Cookies, cookies, more of a traditional hunter and gatherer, and uh, Breath of the Wild didn't satisfy that for him. Breath of the Wild was fine. If you're a hunter gatherer, like a, a nomad, if you will, with Monster Hunter, what does that make the typical person playing Zelda: Breath of the Wild? Um, a climber. It makes them <laughs> a climber for sure. Unless it's raining. An extreme sports yeah. enthusiast is what it makes them because you can yeah, also paraglide. Yeah, it sort of is. And you well, can paraglide and you can also uh, snowboard on your shield, which you can't do in Monster Hunter. No, you cannot. But you can slide on your butt. Yeah, you can slide on your butt. Really, um, if if you say it like that, that also makes me believe that Breath of the Wild is the Far Cry three of the series. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a fair point. Hang glider, snowboarding, some hunting, and I guess a cooking element. Did Far Cry 3 actually have you cook anything? I think you were just skinning animals You for cooked up some of those juices with that final sex scene. Oh. Gross. Okay. Anyway. I'm just referring to the blood <laughs> leaving your body after you get stabbed, right? This, right? this totally oh, explains... Oh, I guess I didn't see that sex scene. No, wait. Yeah. No, yeah, we didn't get. To, I didn't get to see the sex scene. Yeah, because I any think, common person, like typical person, that's not like a uh, a masochist, who's not me. Yeah, would choose the right ending. Yeah, yeah. no, I definitely told my friend who was just at the very end. I was like, oh, no, she's giving you a choice. Tell your tell the one chick who's pleading for her life. I'm sorry, I can't hear you over your throat being slit. <laughs> oh no! So you got that ending? Then you did see the sex scene. No, I actually walked out after... No, he didn't choose to slit the... Oh, okay. okay. So I did not get to see the sex scene. Okay, yeah. But um, I definitely would have... I was, would have been like, yep, sorry, can't hear you over the... 
<laughs> and Neil, your comment explains why your Steam front page is a little more uh, risque than others. <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe get to that in a little bit here. Um, okay. But either way, yeah, I've been playing a lot more of uh, Monster Hunter Worlds, and I've just recently decided to go away from using the uh, bow and arrow for i did a couple of hunts with the hunting horn so aka the bagpipes i love the bagpipes they're all about knocking monsters down and playing sweet tunes and i've also picked up the uh, long blade which i think i'm gonna actually stick with the long blade it's by kind long of super blade nice. do you mean one of the like transforming blades or do you mean just the like big giant broadsword not the broadsword it's the big giant just the it's a long skinny sword um okay oh okay yeah it's it's like a katana in its design yeah it's sephiroth sword okay yeah yeah they have that and then they also like it's it's also called the long sword or a shotel and some of the other uh like i think bone varieties Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Okay, yeah. I had a hard time with that one. It was very, like, vertically oriented when I wasn't using the R2, like, Spirit Blade. And so I was missing a lot of attacks, which is frustrating. Better do that triangle and circle. Yeah. Is your sweep. The the more you think about having a quote-unquote Sephiroth Blade, like a long-ass katana, the longer a weapon gets, wouldn't you think you would start swinging it more horizontally than purely vertically? No, pierce the heavens with your super long blade. With your edge lord blade. I <laughs> like the way you think. Actually, Sorry, it's super it's long. You just I just start stabbing it like a spear. That's where that's where really you start to blur the lines between sword and spear. <laughs> We're like why have a sturdy durability. pole at which it would not break while lunging with your attacks when you could have a flimsy ass fucking thin piece of steel <laughs> a katana and then you get it stuck and then you twist and it just shatters in a million pieces and now you've got a, a million little katanas but this also yeah. takes place in the monster <laughs> hunter world where like weapons clipping into your back and into your clothing is perfectly normal so we know it's these all weapons, part for the course yeah yeah these weapons have some sort of ethereal property to make them also immune to breaking unless they're getting dull from your attack use they are getting dull yes yeah but they, but they won't break under those circumstances like clipping rocks and shit don't even don't even worry about oh my it. god but if you are using the longsword and you do hit a rock while using your spirit blade you've just wasted and you don't get yeah. the thing it's so dumb either way um, I see you've been playing this, Scott. Yeah, man. I've actually put in quite a bit of time, too. And I, I have to say, like, I was worried about how well I'd be able to play this game solo and how comfortable I would actually get with, like, inventory management and all of the other kind of logistics that you have to do to be successful at the game. And although it takes a little bit of getting into, a bit of reading and whatnot, I'm actually really satisfied. Like, it took me about 10 hours to get comfortable with it, which if I compare that to how much time I put into the very first Dark Souls game to try and figure out how like upgrading a weapon worked and things like that, um, it's really not that bad. Like That's pretty quick in order to have a game with as much depth as Monster Hunter, where you have 14 like very distinct weapons um, and a ton of different items that you can craft and then utilize in the field and only putting in like 10 hours to get 
a pretty fair amount of familiarity. A, a good way to contrast it is even looking at something like EU4, some, something that's <laughs> something so where complex. I have almost 200 hours in, and I still am like, wait, leaving the HRE is a bad idea, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's... I've made some serious mistakes. Our listeners probably think I'm an idiot. And uh, if they watch me play EU4, they would, they would have more evidence towards that point. I doubt anyone that listens to this podcast, unless it's someone we know, uh, plays EU4. Like, it's such a niche game. Correct. But, um, I mean, but, it, it seems like a niche thing, but then I get online and it, there's so many, like... The time that we play at, there aren't that many people online playing, but there are quite a few servers active at different points in time in the day that makes me think like it actually probably has a much broader player base than I would anticipate. But if you compare it to literally one country's, well, not entire population, but like <clears throat> this game is probably, probably aside from Dragon Quest, like the most popular video game in Japan. EU4? No, no. Uh, <laughs> no, we're going back to Monster Hunter. <laughs> so, I know we were all surprised. We're like, Japan's not even that exciting of a country anymore. <laughs> You're like, so, it's Ashikaga or bust. I mean, obviously, they're very different games, and I think the market that U4 has it's extremely uh, successful for what it does. But I, I think it'd be unfair to say that the the number of people playing that game can even come close to like what what a monster hunter does in japan oh yeah no i've been aware of monster hunter as a series of japanese games for a very long time and did you uh, actually hear what the what the sales are for monster hunter world at this point i i actually don't know what the sales are do you Uh, happen to have that info i i heard it not too long ago but um I'm, i'm trying to pull it up right now what i do remember is that it's actually sold uh at least in japan it has sold more than any previous version of monster hunter through its lifetime so literally eclipsing i I think like monster hunter 4 is the best was the best-selling game beforehand and that was through its entire lifespan and i am sure someone is going to uh correct me if that's not the case The, the only things i can find right now is that monster hunter world is the first ps4 title to surpass 1 million sales on the first week in japan and, um, and if you want to make articles. this record even more impressive, uh, it was the first three days that they really broke it. So release day and then two days afterward, which, um, let's see, three days after its worldwide release on the 26th. And then I just want to look at a calendar really quick. We're looking at... A Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it took a weekend for them to surpass the uh, one million mark for their sales, which is crazy. That's that's wild. And it's oh, a good and, game. And I, so Monster Hunter Th- Freedom Three sold four point nine millions. Excuse me, four point nine million units. Monster Hunter X sold four point three million. Uh, whereas Monster Hunter World has sold, or shipped, I should say, these are shipped numbers, not sold, 5 million copies, including digital download sales yeah. across PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So has it convinced you yet, Scott, to get PlayStation Plus so you can join the <laughs> squad? 
squad. But Cookie, I'm actually doing really good on my own. I'm this but like you're not lone even, wolf hunter. But you can't even do the um. Oh gosh, they're the Palico Tail Raider um expeditions. If you're not investing time in your Palicos, which we didn't mention once in the last podcast, <laughs> then you're fucking playing this game wrong. Yeah, you're a fool. My Palico is by my side all the time, and he's always got the most trill armor possible. Like, I give him preference over me, partially because it's easier to craft items for him, but it's also because all the he's items adorable. look so cute. It's yeah. So okay, adorable. okay, you know what? Ignore what Cookie's telling you about like tangible things you can do online. Think about this. You know how I, I guess I don't know if you haven't ventured into these things, but you can code certain like you, you can basically say things upon specific uh, conditions. So you could have your palico say, get good scrub whenever one of your teammates dies. Wow, you I may have, this. you may have literally just sold me on it right there. <laughs> I want this. Oh, but um, how you like meow? Oh man, I can I can only imagine oh, that would how be much fun balls. that'll be. Oh, but yeah. So what I'm talking about is um, how far are you, Scott? So I'm only um, as far as the campaign is concerned at the first two like areas like i've gone to the wild spire wastes and i can't i think it's ancient forest and mm-hmm. i'm about ready i'm about ready to hunt the anjanath which i've already actually taken one down so i'm not too worried about taking that quest but i wasn't sure how far i wanted to progress with the storyline versus just doing all of the like optional and like random quests and Scott, so, you'll never get done okay so i should considering just, that they're randomly generated oh shit all right (laughs) (laughs) i I would have been doing that for so long i would have never made any progress um wildspire wastes is super cool i love it and with the hammer like that's the other thing i wanted to say is that the weapons are hard to pick up at first some of them are pretty tricky but man it's so satisfying like once you get a better idea on how to use them i am a hammer champion now like I love using that weapon. Sliding through the sand with my R2 charged and then like doing a jumping, spinning hammer attack to land onto the back of a Barath and then just like smack the shit out of it. It feels so good. I like it. I like yeah. it so much. I actually um, just built a hammer, but I'm kind of poor right now. But I want to mm-hmm. upgrade it to there's an ice hammer. So it's the metal hammer. So just think half the hammer is the metal head. And then the other half is just like jutting spikes of ice. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, the oh, so armor awesome. and weapons are really well designed. They're all very cool. I I think everything looks really cool for your hunter and really adorable for your palico. Like it's oh it's got cool art design. They do a good job. You haven't even look, seen the cute cute thing. Yeah, and they all look drastically different too. That was the other thing I really liked about the armor so far. Is like every armor set looks pretty different for being you know, a helmet to greaves style setup. Like mm-hmm. I it's hard to name the monsters, which makes it very difficult to name the armor sets, but if we're talking about just the difference between the Anjanath armor versus say the Girodados Girodos, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> the goddamn mudfish. Is he saying Gigarados? Gigarados. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like those are two 
dramatically different outfits that are both sort of armored and then you compare them to that like electric flying squirrel wyvern that um that armor set is completely different wholly different my favorite part about this conversation is that every armor set you're talking about is going to be irrelevant by the late game actually i'm sure i'm still using a lot of bone armor Ooh, you're fine now like go through the early game with what what gets you by and don't even give a shit about upgrading armor armor we're talking about oh just on my palico though my armor is just all kinds of Dude, you, weirded you, out. You get a fashion okay. born that palico, okay? You got to make sure your palico looks cute. And yeah, you deal I make some sure damage. my matches. I need and to then... show you the plume armor for the palico, Neil. It's <laughs> so fucking adorable. Wait, are we talking about the Kulu armor set where it's got the uh, mustache? Mm-mm. It's a... Oh, God. I'm going to find this armor set. That is adorable, the Chun-Li armor. Okay, let me know um, once you find it. If we want to, we want to roll on. Do you have anything else to say about Monster Hunter besides the fact that I'm like really getting into this game and starting to enjoy it quite a bit more, and dropped the uh, boar and arrow and moved on to some more exciting weapons? No, oh, man, that bow and arrow is life. Love. No, I think if I'm going to do a range weapon, I'll I'll pull up the bow guns. They seem to be a little more interesting. I just don't like firing r2 over and over and over again (laughs) it's very annoying like at least with the bow guns you sort of set up traps with those like firecrackers you put in the ground yeah um and yes i also moved away from the bow and arrow yeah it's not bad it's a it's a good weapon i think it's a good weapon but i just got bored using it so i decided to move on to something else so i've also been playing celeste a little bit in my spare time between like calls and strawberry at hunter work on break. Yep, so that's strawberry hunter, which is basically a platformer, a difficult, uh, you die a lot sort of platformer in the vein of Super Meat Boy. Am I not mistaken? Correct. Uh, the only reason I actually picked it up is because it recently got a perfect 10 out of 10 from IGN. And I was like, hmm, 10 out of 10, $15. We'll test this theory. And you got it for Switch. Yeah, by got the way, it for Switch. Speaking. Tight gameplay. The story's kind of meh so far. But I'm not very far into my climb. I'm enjoying it. I think I actually enjoy the thought process of Super Meat Boy a little more, though, than this. Well, so what makes this game different from Super Meat Boy, aside from aesthetics? aesthetics is it so so just thinking strictly gameplay wise super meat boy has a story but the story doesn't really matter because super meat boy is clearly set up in like a world one one you finished it world one two you finished it and you kind of just keep going you keep rolling yeah it's very much like how mario has a story but it doesn't matter it's just yeah Whereas Celeste... Original Mario, by the way. Sorry. Whereas Celeste does have worlds in the form of like these really long levels, but each level is segmented in those room one, room Screens, two, room yeah. three, whatever. But the story seems to like want to matter in such a way, but it doesn't matter as well. So like things will happen and you're like, okay, 
that's dumb, but I guess this is what's going on now. And I can't explain it. it. Is it that because it emphasizes an event, like it draws your attention to it, and because it's weak, it gives you like a subpar experience? And I'm I mean, like, the game's still fine, but it's because it's like pushing the story at your face. It's pushing the story at my face in such a way that makes me think that the story matters. But the game has a built-in skip feature and a speed run timer built in. Oh, and I'm assuming that all of the dialogue doesn't count against the speed run timer then either. I have no idea. I haven't turned the speed run timer on, but I think it does. Hence oh. why they've got the skip button. Like really? the skip button okay. quite literally just skips all of the dialogue in just like one huge chunk, not like a fast scrolly thing, but just like a skip, bam, you're done with that dialogue. And I'm like, Sometimes I want to just push the skip button, but I'm like, well, if I'm experiencing this damn story, I might as well experience the damn story. Yeah. And it's kind of slow, and Celeste doesn't know what she's doing. She has weird dreams sometimes. Maybe they're not dreams. I helped clean a hotel. Yeah. Did you have to, like, avoid spikes and death pits while you were cleaning the hotel? Mm hmm Seems legit. Seems real. Yep. Like, I, I haven't really looked too far into Celeste at this point, but I'm really surprised with how... I, I don't want to say, like, I'm really surprised in a bad way, but I'm still surprised over how well this game's been received because, like, just, just from a gameplay standpoint, I always assumed that the, the super difficult platformer had already been done with Super Meat Boy. So is it just the fact that you're not controlling a bloody-ass piece of raw meat? That makes this game more appealing because uh, more appealing than Super Meat Boy, or is it the fact that it's on Switch and you know it's a new exciting thing on Switch, whereas Super Meat Boy premiered uh, on PC as opposed to across all platforms like Celeste did. Super Meat Boy had like this charm about it that was like this really morbid, weird charm. So like, as you died in Super Meat Boy the spikes and the saws would get bloody. Meaty, if you will. <laughs> and meaty. And then, as soon as you get done with the level, you get to see the progression of the level getting meaty by all of your Meat Boys dying. Yeah. Celeste has a quote-unquote, at least from the IGN article, charm that is the funny, like, the characters talk like a womp 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 as the Things go across the screen. Celeste is kind of a jerk face. But, you know. So instead of doing the old school bleep, like, sound, it's a wah wah wah. It's like a peanuts. Yeah, it's the peanuts womp sound. sound. But yeah, it's like, it's like, okay. I think part of the reason I Jane gave it the 10, at least from the video I watched, it seemed like, oh yeah, the charm of Celeste is uh, also a positive factor. It's because they were bought off. They were. That's really it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I mean, it's still a solid game. It looks like, fun. I found myself getting annoyed at Celeste for. I'm not super far into it, but by the time Super Meat Boy had like longer levels, it was like almost the last world. We're, we're ignoring like the dark levels, right? Yeah, ignoring dark levels. By the time you got there, you were prepared to do those long trials. Like, it, it was a good steady climb to it. Where, where it, Celeste kind of just, like, 
by world two, the levels were like the screens were like super long. I do like the timing tightness of it. And it's like, okay, so super meat boy, I don't think everything reset between your deaths, but in Celeste, everything resets between your deaths. So there's obviously an optimal route to take when you're doing something like I was doing one of the Celeste boss battles and it was like, okay, so the beginning of the level was like super easy and a super waste of time. So it was like five seconds of me just holding left and pushing XR square or A and X. I don't know if they're on the switch right now, but either way, in conjunction to Xbox and X, it just like the right moments. And it's like, okay, so this is the optimal route. And if I don't do it at this exact optimal thing, so I guess it's got the speed run with its speed run timer. The only thing that's going to set speedrunners apart is if they die. But as soon as they know the timings of all the levels, it's going to get boring. And then it just becomes a matter of if you can execute, which I, I guess like at the end of the day, that's what a lot of speedrunning is. If you can execute it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I also found the armor set for the Palico. It's the Lumu. L-U-M-U. Oh, the fuzzy one? Yeah, yeah. I checked that out. It looks like a fucking... I don't even know. It looks kind of like a... Your Palico becomes a pop star. It's so adorable. Did you know that you can play an 8-bit version of Celeste on their website? Is it identical to the game? It seems so, but I don't know. I'm only on the first level. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Fancy Ramen of episode 54. Where Scott plays video games. (laughs) The episode which Scott plays Celeste live. I am really live. I mean, this is live. I'm playing it right now. You just can't see my progress. <laughs> and it's really fucking hard on a keyboard. I have a controller plugged in, but I'm almost enjoying the keyboard difficulty more. See, I've always felt that uh, I, I was much better at some of these tighter games with a keyboard than a, uh, than a controller. Yeah, but like you... Overkicked, for instance, I felt sluggish as fuck with that analog stick. You gotta hit angles though, Neil, and they're not so easy. Like yeah, a fluid, a fluid motion of an analog stick would definitely be better. I quit. I got to the third <laughs> level. That's Incredible. all I'm gonna say. So, Neil, what have you been playing? Uh, I don't know how much of my conversation from last week I cut out about Night in the Woods because I cut out maybe more than half of it, but I did want to say that I'm enjoying that game more than I was before. Um, I, we can tell by the docket being more positive. If, <laughs> if anything, the only negative thing I really have to say about it is that I uh, dislike the lack of shortcuts. fast travel. Oh. And yes, yes, sh- shortcuts. I can just uh, read really, the docket if you want me to talk about what you thought of. No, it's, it's fine because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get into it a little more here, obviously. Uh, but the, the, the issue I have is that there are a lot of big screens that at times have no one to really look at or talk to. So you just spend 20 seconds running across the screen. And yeah, 20 seconds doesn't necessarily seem like a lot of time, but... That's actually a this, huge amount of time for a game. I was about to say, that's, that's kind of an unbearable... That, that's kind of how I feel now. And this is coming from the guy that plays a shit ton of JRPGs and a lot of like CRPGs as well. So I'm... I'm familiar with the time suck it's just that there, there are points in time where i think about things like how much a game developer respects your time as a player on the flip side 
I, I think I've grown to appreciate the game in every other aspect of it. In particular, the music, which I was kind of annoyed by at first, mostly because you're playing in this shitty shoegaze ba- band as a as a girl or a kid. It doesn't matter that it's a girl, a kid that can't play bass. Uh, but then you like I suddenly realized that all of the soundtrack, other than that, while it doesn't stand out like in a persona type way, just is really really solid and it really suits the atmosphere of the game not to mention you start to realize that there are certain melodies or uh hooks that actually come from or vice versa the shoegaze band music you play and so once you start to pick up some of those melodies you're like oh that's a really catchy melody actually now i kind of don't hate this as much when i play it as this band or in this band uh so i actually found myself going out of my way to play the bass a couple times in that horrible rhythm game uh mode they have uh, and then I also started to recognize a little, a little bit of May's charm. May being the protagonist of the game, like she's kind of a shitty teenager, even though she's twenty or whatever now. Uh, but one, once you come to terms with the fact that you're not playing as a stand-in character and you will not be able to make any like majorly dramatic decisions, you're you're just playing as this character, like you're witnessing her story. You need to take pride in the small choices you can make to make her seem less of an asshole to her parents and friends. And after you start to embrace the game in that in that regard, it starts to get a lot better, I think. I'm not going to get into the story elements, but I, I think there are interesting things that happen that, uh, like, frankly, makes me want to play the game more and more. So I'm enjoying it quite a bit at this point. But talking about like expectations, uh, since you know we were talking about Celeste and Super Meat Boy and how like the games differ in terms of aesthetics, uh, I I also found myself over, over the last couple podcasts or even months at this point where I kind of felt like I wasn't really encountering games that made me want to play them based on their mechanics, but instead just play them based on their story and their style. But uh, so all the Persona Five. Well, I mean, yes and no. I also really think Persona Five is a good game in terms of game and like terms of the mechanics, the core gameplay. But I also enjoy RPGs, so that's kind of a given. Dungeon Rompa might be a better example of a game that I don't necessarily like a lot of the core gameplay. But you I mean, you don't like running slow. <laughs> Yeah, the Don and Rompa 2 uh, <laughs> run speed on the PlayStation 4 is abysmal. Uh, so we're playing that. A couple more episodes will probably be coming up this week. Um, the run speed on the Vita, which is the version I played of it, is way faster. So I don't understand why the hell you run at a snail's pace in the PS4 version. And it, it sucks. But we'll, we'll get to like the trials, and then maybe I'll talk more about the things I hate the most about that game. I mean, you don't like the little mini game where you are, are they the same mini games or do they change the mini games? Slightly up? changed. Okay, so it's pretty much a pun on the entire game is everything's just slightly different and they'll acknowledge the fact. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> they they get better by the third game. I, I I don't think there's any mini games I hate in the third game, and there are like a lot of mini games I hate in the second game. The core trials are great, but like, ugh. do I have to put together the comic book panel still? Yeah. I, I thought that was fine. That's super easy. It's just a little bit of a time suck. So I picked up two management games or simulation games or whatever you want to call them during that humble bundle uh, winter sale. 
that follow this whole theme of like drastically different core mechanics versus what the story or presentation of the game is. The first one is called No Pineapple Left Behind. And does that sound familiar to anyone in terms of uh, recent or maybe not recent, but decades old school policies? Oh, you're talking No Child Left Behind? Yeah, exactly. And Dude, that's, you, could, you couldn't fail those tests. Oh, I've loved them. And that's the exact point or uh, keeping cookie I off the streets. Of this game. <laughs> so you work as a school administrator and the school you oversee is paid based on grades. It's a simplification of that whole plan or policy, right? Your students are a mix of human and pineapples. Humans have flaws and stat modifications based on things like whether they're distracted by love, if they're getting bullied, or if they have like a series of short, uh, short-term status effects, like they're in a bad mood or if they're cheerful. Pineapples, on the other hand, are not distracted and have no modifiers. Pineapples become human when they reach 100 points of humanity. And humans become pineapples when they reach zero points of humanity. So far, it's like, this sounds interesting in like a weird way, right? It gets better because your profit is based on the performance of your students, right? And costs, the, really the only costs you get are your salaries, uh, your teacher's salaries. It's a very beneficial uh, strategy to have a teacher work their ass off and not pay them anything. And the only downside is that they don't regenerate their energy because they're not getting paid. Once they're out of energy, you fire them and you hire a new teacher. And you start, like, as I'm describing this, I'm thinking to myself, that sounds actually kind of realistic <laughs> to, like, to, like, what the school system sort of is at this point, right? Underpaid workers and, uh, you know, you kind of just burn them out. Pineapples. Pineapples, yes. The issue, though, is that, like, the game, despite having, like, this hilarious, uh, this hilarious theme and, I guess, approach, the game just kind of sucks. It's like, uh... It kind of uses what I would call like really old school, low res, worse than the Sims, original Sims sort of graphics. And like it, it tries to it, it tries to give you this impression that like all of your students are like living, living things in in your screen, your school screen. And they walk around the building, the virtual rendered building and so forth, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, like. I kind of just wish this game would have been a bunch of text on a menu and it would have been way more effective. So flip to the second game I've been playing. It's called Honeycam Studio. And uh, are, are either of you familiar with Honeycam Studio? No. no. <laughs> so I, I started playing this actually as an idea uh, to come up with games for uh, videos we're going to do with Buck and in case, in case you guys aren't aware, Buck, uh, who you can see in our Doki Doki playthrough video, Buck doesn't play or didn't play a whole lot of video games when he was a kid. Like his parents wouldn't let him have consoles. So the only consoles he's had have been, I think, a Game Boy and a Game Gear. And then at whatever, however old he is now, he got his first console, a uh, PS4. So like it's kind of been interesting getting his opinions and perspective on like weird new video games that he, or old video games that he's never really had exposure to. But uh, so I started playing this game thinking like, hey, I wonder how like just how far I could go to really weird out Buck because Honeycam Studio 
is a game in which you hire girls to perform in cams, uh, cam shows online. And that's what generates your income. Uh, you basically... Cookie's nodding his head as he's looking at pictures. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> because... watching the video, I'm like... Because yep, they're great. That is, that is what he's talking about, apparently. <laughs> you use income to improve your setup by hiring more girls, better girls, and also improving or purchasing new equipment. Uh, you keep your girls happy by paying them and getting them cigarettes and alcohol. And, and I for also forgot to add that uh, you can also, as a quick way to get money, send your girls to a sleazy hotel to, you know, to work, to, to do things. Right? Nothing, nothing wrong with working at a sleazy hotel. For, and Neil you know, has no idea why his, uh, <laughs> why his <laughs> recommended Steam is so different from ours. So, get this, like, I, I am obviously like not a supporter of type like this type of objectification of women as he buys the game. <laughs> Sorry, actually, uh, Tiffany owned it, so I didn't have to buy it. So oh, well. there you go. Neil's not for uh, objectifying women, but Tiff is all over that. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, here's the deal. Um, this game actually is way more enjoyable than No Pineapple, Pineapple Left Behind, and it's because it's just. A fucking well-designed game where you have to divide your attention and your resources to multiple, like multiple uh, girls. Well, yes, girls. Just say girls, girls. <laughs> but also like multiple focuses. Like you need to worry about how many fans you have for your specific fetishes. <laughs> you have to, you have to determine like, okay, how much money can I put into things like advertising and outreach, or uh, things that could potentially generate profit as opposed to like immediate profit and figuring out the best way to like min max the, the like 21 days you have to get as many fans and money as you can. Okay. And, so you do have a pretty limited amount of time then. Yeah. And, and I just found it to be like really interesting because you could employ several different strategies to get to the same goal or attempt to get to the same goal, which is to get like the biggest dick statue. Yes. I, I'm, I'm not going to explain that part. <laughs> um, I can't really say like what else it is that drives me to it because this could literally be like a graphic list game and just a bunch of text and menus. Like maybe this is the same, the same uh, experience people have when they like uh, clicker games. Like there's business venture, or I think that no uh, venture capitalist. I think that's oh, a man. clicker. Venture capitalist. Oh, that was. A game. It's like no one's actually looking at the pretty graphics there. They're they're just looking at those numbers and how they get higher, right? As a matter of, as so as you were talking about this, that game was playing in my head because yeah, the numbers they get high. They get ridiculously high, high. So, like okay <laughs> speaking of high numbers i also picked up a game this well i started playing a game this morning called trillion god of destruction and yes this is not on the on the uh docket but i want to throw this in real quick too so in trillion you play as the lord of hell oh by the way i should also discuss like the pedigree the pedigree behind this game um, I'm not sure if it's the exact same studio, but it seems like a lot of the same people from Disgaea made this. It along... looks like Disgaea with... It looks like Disgaea. Yeah, it looks like Disgaea. And it has elements of like... Uh, oh my god, I can't think of the... The, 
the first game to do this type of gameplay um treasure hunt no no it's not that you, oh, okay you know you know a game that uses this type of gameplay would be pokemon rescue rangers where you have it's like tile based movement and when you move all the enemies move as well but it's still like turn based rpg ish in terms of its nature uh but you only control one person at a time and the concept in trillion is that you are the overlord of hell or the underworld as they put it and the god of destruction has come to destroy the the underworld so you go out and fight trillion as you later find the uh its name to be and get your ass kicked so hard that uh you basically have to get resurrected as a zombie of your former self and at this point you have to use all of your allies to whittle down trillion so along with the pokemon rescue rangers type combat you also have training I, I i don't know a game to compare it to like i feel like i've played games like this before but games that like monster rancher there we go you you have like monster a rancher level. world monster rancher world is that a thing mm-hmm. hmm. i mean is it i don't know i was just making a monster hunter world reference i did not well, know so that monster rancher was a thing i'm you didn't know monster rancher was a thing yeah oh. now i'm looking this up Monster Rancher was a game where you put CDs into your console and hope they made cool monsters, and then you raised those monsters and had them fight in an arena. So similar to that, I just watched the show. The core Monster Rancher. Oh, from there is a show for that. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so so in Trillion, you basically spend multiple weeks training, and and yes, uh, disclaimer: it's a shit ton of waifus. Uh, so training your selected waifu to get stronger in combat. And once that period is up, you then send your waifu out to fight against Trillion. And it, it seems to me that what ultimately ends up happening is that your waifu goes out and gets killed. But you try and deal as much damage as you can to Trillion, who has, yes, a Trillion HP. And it's super fucking disheartening. As you go through each week, you get to fight like a mock battle against uh, like kind of like a a dummy version of the boss like a a training dummy of the boss and like i would do super well in those training in those training sessions and then i went up against trillion and it occurred to me oh man the mock battles i was fighting they only had a billion hp (laughs) so that's why you mentioned waifus dying all the time yeah I, I I just went through like one phase of that game and like without knowing much about it and I pride myself at being like pretty damn good at RPGs as a whole, especially like puzzly RPGs like this. I was like, okay, I know it's possible to beat the boss in one like with one person. So it's gonna be fine. So I picked like the person that I like the most that seems to have the most personality. He personality. says most personality with a boobs. thumbs up. And you and, <laughs> and you sacrifice them immediately. neil you have terrible like record with taking care of your waifus in games it sounds like it it's super rough not as bad as cookies apparently though (laughs) no not nearly as bad as mine (laughs) but it's super rough because like as you're training this girl like you you get to have like a bunch of you know dialogue events and you start to develop like oh this person's actually cool and yada yada. Yeah. So you start to build up that rapport and then there's a fucking agonizing <laughs> death scene and you're like, oh shit. 
now who's going to earn money to pay for her mom's <laughs> medical treatment? <laughs> I made a big mistake. Oh. oh, that's tragic. Last but not least, I've also been playing some FTL. When I when I discovered that my Steam, like you know, every time my computer's crashed, uh, Steam has obviously need, needed to be reinstalled, and some of my saves were not cloud backups. And so when I saw FTL was completely fresh, I had no ships unlocked. Part of me was like, fuck that. I need to go in and unlock some ships. Faster than light? Yes. Oh, okay. it's really hard to unlock ships, though, in my opinion. Like, I, a lot of it is based off of random occurrences. And RNGesus? Yeah, I mean, and RNGesus RNG has just never really blessed me in those particular games. Like, I, w- I played probably 10 runs with the Kestrel before I was able to get a single other type of ship. See, I find that it, it's not so much just RNG, but it's about adapting and figuring out new new, new approaches. Uh, Those ships definitely make you, when you play some of the other ships, they definitely make you take a different approach. Like The approach that you take for the Kestrel is not going to work for the uh, whatever that prototype uh, ship is that doesn't have shields but has automatic cloaking or has cloaking uh, as its uh, base ability versus like the oh the Angie it's the cruiser. upgraded oh it's when, when you're talking about the cloak is that like the B or C type of the Kestrel? No, there's actually one that is uh, not the Kestrel that is a uh, and I have two types of it, but it has a cloaking device on it for both, and it has. Uh, laser system is the first thing installed where the Kestrel okay. is like a beam and a missile for the start I, I, I know which one you're talking okay, about with, yeah. with the one without shields you've literally or at least it seems like the only viable strategy is to literally get a, get to a store and hope you can find a shield system yeah I've done it I've done it where you haven't been able to get a shield system and I've actually made it Oof. to the end though it is it is very hard um but then it's very different from, say, the Angie cru- cruiser approach where you're like just trying to use your ion cannon to bring down shields and then hit uh, important targets. Like every, every ship makes you really change up your playstyle. But I feel like getting ships in that game is very tricky. It's sometimes uh, not so it's easy. Fine. And I never get Mantis crew either. I just want to whine. Like I never get Mantis crew, and so I never get to do any like good boarding either. It's like a power management game too. FTL is literally like, I would say, top top twenty micromanagement games I've ever played. Maybe maybe even higher than that. Like, top, it's, I'd it's put it in my be... top ten, maybe even top five. Like this game, uh, it's ten dollars on Steam normally. I picked it up for like two fifty in a sale once, and uh, Man, that is like that's some of the best money I've ever spent because I think my playtime on FTL has got to be somewhere close to a hundred hours. I think it also has uh, some iOS and mobile ports too, which I think is. Like, I was about to say I'm saying that it is on iPad. That game with the touchscreen has got to be a a great thing to play. Let's hit the news. So, yeah, first up, guess what, guys. It's official now. Anthem is delayed until 2019. Not much more to say about that. Similarly, 
uh, referring back to last week's discussion over the live elements in Dragon Age, Casey Hudson responded and basically stated that what they meant by live elements were to make uh, basically how the game responds to decisions within that same game and past games. Cookie, do you believe it? Do you believe it, Cookie? Considering, so I don't know much about this story, but considering when they first announced, are they talking about Dragon Age Origins? Yes, Dragon Age. And, well, oh, Inquisition? Yeah. So when they first announced Dragon Age Inquisition, it was like, oh yeah, you'd run up to this, you'd be walking on your way to doing this thing, and all of a sudden there's these like marauders boarding these ships, and you decide to just take them out, and nothing happens, and that's kind of that. Or you can decide not to take them out, and the next thing you know, the marauders are in, in the town, pillaging the town. Or it was like, he was like giving some like weird things of like, oh yeah, you can either choose to like light ships on fire or not, and that's gonna make the worlds grandiose and crazy because all the decisions you make are gonna affect the world, and it's gonna make it a living world. Are you sure you're not talking about Divinity Original Sin? Nope. Okay. This was, this was Dragon Age Inquisition. When you're talking about the ship lighting on fire, that was like literally right out of the Divinity, uh, when Divinity Original Sin was having like their first big, not press conference, but like showcase of their worlds. Ooh, maybe too. I am. But I mean, I mean, Dragon Age, I, I felt did a pretty good job of making your choices matter within each game, but they've maybe lacked a little bit going game from game from game, game to game to game. Um, because aside from like, maybe one cameo or one particular instance the events of dragon age one really don't fucking matter with two, dragon two. age two yeah, not at all and i didn't get far enough in inquisition to really know how the other two games affect that one did you guys hear that nintendo is interested in creating dlc to improve or increase the longevity of their current games if you haven't already realized that with zelda and mario kart which may indicate that they are going to adopt a more games as a service. No, they're not going to be business. games as a service. They're going to be... No, wait, that wasn't... Yeah, that was Nintendo that said they're not doing games as a service. But, then, but then they're going to. They're doing something else, because they... Crap, what game was I playing recently that was like... I saw news that they were like, we're not going to be doing games as a service. We clearly think there's going to be a beginning, a middle, and an end. Oh, maybe I'm talking about Monster Hunter World. Which wouldn't technically be Nintendo, but... No. So never mind. Ignore me. I'm just going to go over this way. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm not too thrilled to hear news like that. And even if they say, um, we're going to make games with a like obvious beginning, middle, and end when they throw the prologue at you, and then they throw the epilogue, and then they throw the uh, epilogue times two at you. By the way, what about the third epilogue? Have you gotten it yet? Yeah, I have. It's haven't. only five ninety nine. <laughs> exactly. It's just one of those things that, like, I really like the media that I consume to normally have some sort of like conclusion or wrap up. I like there to be finality in one way or another, and with continuing gameplay through DLC over and over, it just feels like a weird experience. It feels like incomplete media. And incomplete media is sometimes frustrating. Like, I understand the use of a cliffhanger in movies and television and whatnot. 
But to have something go on, sorry, my voice is failing me. <clears throat> it's because I'm so emotional about this topic. Um, but just to have something go on for kind of an undetermined period of time in an in indefinite amount until we actually get what will be heralded as the last DLC, um, it just makes me feel like my experience is a little cheapened and like the things that I've done in the say vanilla version of the game is not really substantial enough. Like did I not have enough content to enjoy myself enough to think that I'm satisfied with the completion of this game without having to buy extra content? I don't know. Were you? Uh I was fine with Breath of the Wild. I beat it and then I found all the memories and I beat it again. And then uh, I heard that there was actually um, in the second DLC, like a, more of a dungeon setup, still with obviously using the, uh, I guess, Sheikah Trials format. But I just thought to myself, like, yeah, I would have really liked a dungeon in Breath of the Wild, but I don't think I'm going to pay to get a dungeon. Like, it's something I just wish was there in the game. Um, and it wasn't, and so I consider that the game didn't have it. I don't know. I like to think of DLC as kind of standalone add-ons. I enjoyed how DLC worked when I was uh, playing the Fallout games like Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, where most of the DLCs, there are some that do continue the storyline, but most of them were sort of offshoots that fit somewhat well within the... Uh, gameplay of the game's like traditional story path and it or at least like alongside it not something that had to be done at any specific point in time it's even better when you have dlc that becomes its own game like the uh, dishonored oh yeah uh, like dishonored uh fuck. knife of dunwall and uh or, the brigmore witches or uh the most the recent, most recent one, one death of the outsider yeah, that one. Yeah. I was thinking first light from um Infamous. I'm totally for DLC that takes something that's really wonderful and adds a new branch to it as opposed to fills out the remainder of a uh, like narrative that we've already been exposed to because those branches are such a cool way to like flesh out the story or um some like more information about a world by being exposed to a different arm of it while you still have like it doesn't tamper or alter the uh, main storyline in any way like i i like when dlc does that and so continuing gameplay with dlc feels a little weird when i compare it to really enjoyable standalone experiences and i especially like your point that my favorite dlcs probably are the ones that are actually completely separate from the original game. The Dishonored games are good for that. I think actually Far Cry Blood Dragon is a great example where they really just completely mixed up the game and made something almost brand new using the assets from Far Cry. Uh, I think it's Far Cry 3. Speaking of which, are you hyped for like the three different DLC titles that have been pre-announced no. for Far Cry 5? No. What is it? It's Zombies and Aliens and I can't remember what the third one is. I'm not. I'm not. That I wonder hyped. if Far Cry Five is going to feel like it's sixty percent shorter than it really should be. 
giving away from maybe we'll say not so consumer friendly developers and publishers and getting towards some other not so friendly mechanics or maybe we could say some more positive oh i'm sorry publisher and developer relations with their community octopath traveler or their developers are uh putting into place some substantial updates after player feedback from their most recent demo of Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I jumped I jumped the docket a little too quickly. I thought we were talking about BBC <laughs> fighters. No, I, I should uh, rescind what I said moments before. This is actually like a really exciting and if I want to be super dramatic, uh, an inspiring thing to see is that Square Enix took a lot of time to note uh, the problems that players brought up after interacting with the... Uh, beta that came out for octopath traveler and not only that but they have a video of their approach to like fixing these problems so it's really exciting to see that they're listening to their fans so actively when the game's already at a beta stage to be played and interacted with and it's not just like i mean granted i know i know they have a uh smaller developer working on this as well but i think square enix and acquire are both listed as active developers of this game so it's not like some indie team is saying hey we're listening to you guys it's square enix which that's i mean i i think something needs to be said to like that's super cool yeah no it's it's a large developer and uh publisher like not giving you the middle finger because they're large and you'll probably buy their game anyway it's it's really cool to see i'll have to watch the video because I completely, honestly forgot about Octopath Traveler. Well, when I saw that they were actually going to have big updates regarding the game, I'm like, wait, if they fix a couple of things, like this could be a game that I would buy and play because I enjoyed Octopath Traveler. I just didn't think I, I was going to buy it. Buy yeah, it I just again. didn't think I was going to play it. Air. I was like, oh, that was an okay demo. And then I couldn't skip this cutscene twice. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that'd be way too annoying if I owned it. So I'll have to pass. <laughs> That's what I remember about that game. Okay, so after now, a, yeah. now that giving, giving back to the shitty, the shittiness. Okay, maybe this isn't even shitty. It's just something that I, I came to, I came across in, uh, oh, excuse me, regarding Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Uh, and Cookie, I'm addressing this to you because you're going to have to tell me if I'm full of shit or not. Makes sense. I'm kind of curious about how's this gonna go. But for the record. You did pre-order, so you were able to unlock Blue, Super Saiyan Blue, Goku, and Vegeta right off the bat, correct? Correct. Now, do you know what players can do if they want to unlock it but did not pre-order it? Uh, beat the arcade mode on hard. On hard? With while an A rank the, or higher? While getting the... Actually, not with an A rank or higher, just getting the best route. Actually, oh, at least it says to, for this, you need, an uh, you need to complete the Extreme Gravity Spaceship course with a rank or higher for ssb vegeta oh i guess that makes sense because if you get up the they break the thing down and they break each of the arcade modes down into like paths that you can take oh so you quite literally how good you do on one map you either go up in rank or you stay at rank or you go down in rank the so by the time you get to the finish you're obviously going to be a rank for overall yeah, okay. Gotcha. So the prerequisite for Super Saiyan Blue Goku is to complete the hyperbolic time chamber course in hard mode in arcade. In uh, hard in arcade mode, excuse me, with an A rank or higher. 
or you can spend 3,000 zenny uh, for SSB Vegeta. It's not even necessarily or, spend. You just have to earn it. But if you spend it, it still goes to like a background tracker. Oh, so that's nice. as soon as you've hit oh, 300,000, okay. you... Okay, 300,000. That's like 3,000 zenny, dude. That's like... Yeah, 300,000 the... or 500,000 for Goku. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. It's not bad. What's the payout for a usual, I guess, activity? What's a match? Um, so you can you? do... So they've got these story missions that you can do that give you 300 zenny for doing it. Like one of the story missions was quite literally use the teleport system in the main hub. So okay. if you did I that... I want to say by the time you time. finish the... By the time you finish the story... Because you get paid Zenny for doing the story, and like you get paid, you get paid at least two to three thousand Zenny for going through the uh, combo trainer, which is pretty much the same exact thing for every single character. It's do the square com- square auto combo, do the triangle auto combo, do a manual combo, do another manual combo. So, how much Zenny do you think you've accumulated through your uh, through the time you've played so far? At least 50,000. I haven't played that much, though. Is this approaching pay-to-win? No. No? Because, like, the availability of these two characters who... I mean, obviously, they try and keep a balance. Granted, you do have different types of characters. Um, but to basically keep two characters off of potential players' rosters because they did not pre-order the game... I think a pay-to-win is more like World of Tanks, where it's quite literally everyone's on equal playing ground until you someone's got like the best tank that they can get because they spent five hundred dollars, and it's quite literally while your tank takes like three major hits to kill, his tank takes like fifteen. So like the Super Saiyan Blue Goku and Vegeta, honestly, I don't like their gameplay like they're different enough from original goku and original vegeta that they're actually they're substantially different character like right it it justifies their existence so yeah so it does justify their existence and i really wouldn't call it pay to win just mainly because it's like you you can't actually buy the characters outright either correct i don't think so and so you heard it here not news fake news good thing we figured that out five minutes later Fake news. I was like, hmm, I wonder what he's going to say about it. I was like, actual. Well, yeah, I guess it's. Yep. I was, actual wait, actual news. news Red Dead Redemption 2 has also been delayed. It's uh, now on the backseat, like Anthem. Fucking surprising, right? I expected it to be out immediately. Yeah. There's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a Red exactly Dead my sentiment. Too. When you have what's probably considered to be like the most. Uh, the most exciting game for like your i i don't want to use the word casual so i'll say rockstar casual <laughs> uh, yeah of course it's going to be delayed of course it's going to be delayed i'm kind of surprised they even announced it i'm not they had to you have to announce it be- before people forget about the possibility and then after you've announced it you have 10 years to work with but it's Rockstar. They're the guys who were like, oh yeah, Grand Theft Auto 5. That's a game that exists. Isn't this a pretty trailer? By the way, it's out in two months. Okay, here you go. For thing. I just did the basic combo. Just hit square seven times. 500 zenny. 
God, this seems Literally. excruciatingly painful. Literally three seconds. Not not like the ease or just just the fact that there's so many fucking stupid little quests like this. Oh, this is the combo system, so that way you can learn your characters. Ugh. So they pay you to learn your characters. Gross. But yeah, so quite, a, quite literally, 3.98 seconds was 500 zenny. If so, yeah, so it's not bad. Anyway. If you want to submit your favorite Dragon Ball Fighters combos, you can write into podcast at fancyramen.com. Also, leave a like and a review with us on Apple Podcasts. We'll read out shout outs if we get those. Yeah. Will we? Yeah, we will. Sure, why not? If we someone will. checks them, someone will check them. <laughs> it's not going to be cookies. <laughs> Probably hundreds of, of reviews on right now saying we're the best ever. We'll just do an episode just where we just shout out it. every review. God, that would suck. Oh, you don't, you're not into that? I'm into that. That would take a long time if there were a hundred reviews, Scott. Yeah. I'm volunteering. <laughs> anyway, you should Scott volunteer your tribute. friends to listen to our podcast. Let them know about it and then tell them that they've been volunteered to do it. And so they have to. Bye, guys. It's an expensive mic. I'm not going to actually drop it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Miss your face, Scott.